Aaron Jones trying to get to the edge. He does. He's got another. What a game. Third of the afternoon. We're just a more connected team this year. We're enjoying each other more. We like each other, I think, a little more. We hang out with each other. It's uh, The locker room is a raucous environment. Four-man rush. Prescott protected. Fires a pick. King. Pass was behind Gallup. And another takeaway by this Packer defense. The turnovers, that was the difference today. When you're plus three in the turnover margin, pretty good chance you're going to come out victorious. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Go. Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Packers beat the Cowboys yesterday in Jerry World, right at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington. 34-24, the final score. America's Game of the Week, right? Nationally televised game, at least most, most of the country saw the game, right? Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, it's a big deal, right? It should be a huge win. But yet, I, I... I didn't feel that great after. I should have been just elated, been overjoyed. I should have last night. I should have been giddy, and I wasn't. Packers won and looked pretty good. Thirty-four twenty-four, the final score. I should have been jumping for joy. Should have been yelling out my window. Should have been repping my Packer jersey, but I wasn't. Let me explain. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. I mean, everybody's got to be in a good mood today, right? Vikings won yesterday. Packers won. I guess the Bears Bears lost yesterday. Sorry, Bears fans. And the Lions didn't play. So I bet 95 to 99% of our listeners are, are having a good day. Their team did well yesterday. Uh, hope you had a great weekend. We're going to talk a lot of Packers football today. Uh, we're going to spend most of our show talking about yesterday's game. We're also going to talk a tiny little bit about the Badgers. And we actually got to talk a little bit about the Twins as well before we wrap up the show. I know that's not Wisconsin, but sorry, Brewers aren't in the playoffs. So it is playoff baseball time. There were <laughs> I was at home today. I forgot there were two games. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's baseball on. So we do have to talk about the Twins just a little bit uh, right before 6 o'clock. But like I said, today going to spend most of our time talking about and, and, and breaking down uh, yesterday's 3.30 game. The Packers beating up on the Cowboys uh, the last 15 minutes or so of the game, making it look a lot closer. At one point, the Packers up 31-3. to I should have been elated, overjoyed, right? I should have been jumping up and down after yesterday's game. I wasn't. I just wasn't. Not because I, I think the Packers almost lost. I really wasn't that nervous they were going to lose. Not because I thought they took their foot off the gas. I thought they played the just about uh, as perfectly as you can play in the fourth quarter. It didn't always execute, but they had the right idea. Not because of that. Yesterday's Packer game, you can split into two chunks. There were the first two and a half quarters, and then there was the last quarter and a half. Right? Like I said, this isn't about the Packers almost losing or blowing a big lead. I'm perfectly happy with the Packers winning 34-24. But it was a tale of two different games yesterday. The first two and a half quarters were a ton of fun for Packer fans. For me, right? Rodgers was absurd. I know his stat line yesterday was not great. He was 22-34 for about 240 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. Not a a game that's going to light up the fantasy football app, right? But he was absurd, right? Making big throws in big moments. He had a left-handed pass at one point in the first half. He had a little shovel pass inside to Aaron Jones at one point, I think in the first or second quarter. That throw to Robert Tanyan, where he stepped up in the pocket, looked like he was going to run, pulled back. He's running laterally. He's running horizontally along the line of scrimmage. 
and then arcs one down the right sideline as he's looking down the right sideline. Robert Tanyan goes up and get it. Crazy play, right? The best throw of the day, I think, for Aaron Rodgers was that sidearm throw where he slung it into Aaron Jones. It almost looked like he was throwing it away. Jones scoops it off the turf, jukes out late in Van Der Esch and turns it into about 15 yards. That's a throw that at some point in an Aaron Rodgers compilation, a highlight compilation, that throw needs to be in there. It wasn't a touchdown. It wasn't a 40-yard play. But with a pass rusher bearing down right in his grill, and he got leveled on the play. Talked about it in his press conference, right? Slung it around Aaron Jones. Rodgers making great plays. It was a ton of fun. Aaron Jones was unreal yesterday. Unreal. 19 carries, 107 yards. He had seven catches for 75 and four touchdowns, right? And against that, Cowboys defense, really great, quick, athletic, strong linebackers, both Leighton Vanderesh, who Aaron Jones made look very bad a lot of the game yesterday, and Jalen Smith, who at one point buried with a nasty stiff arm. It was just Aaron Jones' day yesterday. And didn't hurt that I had him on fantasy. Uh, I was 0-4, and now I have one win because of Aaron Jones. I think he scored the, outscored the rest of my team combined. Aaron Jones is fun, right? Defense is playing physical again. I think they might have taken what happened against Philadelphia a little bit personally, or at least that's what everyone in the media wants to say. Green Bay took it personally. You know, didn't like that. Didn't like that on Thursday Night Football. Well, they did respond for whatever reason yesterday. Played physical. Got in the grill of Dak Prescott. Outside of a couple big bombs to, to Amari Cooper, Jair Alexander and Kevin King playing pretty physical, right? Forcing those receivers to get off their marks a little bit, which is how Kevin King eventually uh, basically sealed the game with that interception. The first two and a half quarters were a ton of fun. But about midway through the third quarter, and the third quarter took, God, it had to be an hour more. It was at least an hour. Took forever. The final quarter and a half of yesterday's game was filled with clunky officiating, replays and reviews, Jason Garrett getting into it with the refs and and drawing a personal foul. There were a bunch of big plays that were brought back. Look, I'm not anti-penalty. You need penalties, right? You You need to officiate the game. It can't be chaos. But what's really frustrating is when there's a magnificent play or a turnover or a huge momentum shift on a play and it gets called back because of a penalty that, eh, really? Nothing worse than an interception, a crazy play that's going to swing the momentum. Oh, there's a, you call that a hold? Or when somebody throws a, a great touchdown throw down the sideline, the receiver makes a great play. Oh, there's a flag on the, what? Called that illegal contact? Come on, that's the worst. And that went both ways yesterday. Packers had some turnovers taken off the board and in the Dallas Cowboys had some plays taken off the board by penalties as well. It was clunky. It took forever, and it felt like every flag that hit the turf was followed by a three- or four-minute conference where we had to listen to Joe and Troy ramble, and we had to get a, a shot of both the coaches being angry about whatever it was. And then finally the referee came out and made the announcement. It was clunky. It, it took way too long, and it was a waste of time. Really, it was. That game, when it hit 31-3, that game was done. That game was over. Right? The only reason the Packers fans yesterday had apprehension and had concern about possibly losing was because of what happened in Seattle in 2014. And that's fair. I, I get that. It's fair. But the Packers weren't going to lose that game, right? They just weren't. 31-3 to with the running game rolling like it was? Come on. They weren't going to lose that game. The final quarter and a half took way too long. The game almost went till 7 o'clock. And it was a waste of everyone's time. It was a waste of my time. It was a waste of your time. I had stuff to do. I had homework. I had to get to the library at UWL. I had stuff to do. And I'm sitting at the end of this game. I'm like, can we just wrap this up? I got stuff to do. Felt like it took my entire day. Normally, I normally I hop on uh, the WKTY Facebook page after Packer games 
and just kind of hang out for for 15 or 20 minutes and and maybe share your thoughts, hear your opinions, share some things that jumped out to me over the course of the game, right? Because after the game, for the same reason I think we all enjoy post-game shows, is you kind of break it down, right? We can kind of analyze, kind of work through what we just watched. Well, yesterday I had had enough, right? I was on my couch for way too long yesterday afternoon, listened to way too many official explanations, and sat through way too many video reviews. I just, I just, I was done. I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I was not elated. I was not jumping up and down. I'm saying, God, it's finally done. And by that point, most of my excitement had waned. It was a little bit different. Late uh, after the Sunday night game had finished up, and I went back and watched uh, a lot of replay and and watched a little bit of the post game show. I'd kind of got my excitement back, but. I don't want to speak for you. Maybe you loved it, right? Maybe you wish all games took almost four hours. I do not. When it's 31 to 3, let's wrap it up. Nobody gets injured. We don't need coaches throwing temper tantrums, right? You just don't need it. It was a waste of everybody's time yesterday. That being said, once I was able to calm down a little bit about my Sunday being wasted, the Packers are 4 and 1, and they beat Dallas at home 34 24, at one point being up 31 to 3. A lot of good takeaways from yesterday's game. And like I said, some of my enthusiasm, some of my energy for talking about those positives waned a little bit because the game took so long and I just wanted to honestly take a break. Normally, I am ready to sit down and watch uh, what's the NBC pregame show uh, right before Sunday Night Countdown or Football Night in America. That's it. Normally, I'm eating that up. Give it to me, right? Yesterday, I'm like, man, I need to take a break from football. I only watched the second half of Sunday Night Football last night, which I never do. Always watch Sunday Night Football. Yesterday, I was just tired. I was like, I need a break. I need a break. But I'm back. Uh, my enthusiasm has returned for today, and we're talking about a 34-21 Packers win in Dallas. Uh, what's new with Aaron Rodgers and company winning at AT&T Stadium? We have a lot to talk about today. I, I think we're at an important point of the season now because we're, we're actually, we got a good feel for what some of these teams are, right? If the Patriots or the Cowboys start the year uh, against Washington and Miami, and they blow them out. Well, what do we what do we really know? Like, do we have a good, accurate feel? Well, we're five games in now. I'd like to think we have an accurate feel for some of these teams. So we're going to talk about that coming up at 5.30. But coming up next, something we talked about last Thursday. I said, this weekend is all about Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. And maybe it didn't jump out to you yesterday. Maybe you didn't notice. But I think Matt LaFleur had his first signature game plan and first signature moment and first signature win as a head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Let me explain what I mean, and we'll talk more about this Packers win coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports. Back in a moment here on WKTY. Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being here. We're talking about a big win for the Packers, moving to 4-1. and one. Winning in Arlington at AT&T Stadium yesterday. Like I said, what's new? 34-24, the final score. And I'm going to be real. When the game ended yesterday, I was, I was ready to set it aside for a moment. I just had too much football yesterday. The game took too long. By last night, right before I went to bed, my excitement had returned. I was watching highlights, right? I was reading columns. I was I was all in by last night. And today I'm very excited because the Packers are 4-1. and one And they, because of the Bears' loss yesterday, have a really good hold on things, at least for the time being, in the NFC North. There were a lot of interesting storylines yesterday, right? 
couple of players who stood out. Obviously, Aaron Jones is number one. And, and Rodgers, although statistically, and, and when I say statistically, I mean fantasy football, right? Not a ton of yards, no touchdowns, but he didn't turn the ball over. He was 22 of 34, and, and I thought he showed a good state of mind in the fourth quarter with situational football, right? Taking a sack instead of throwing the ball away, sliding instead of running out of bounds. Those are the things you forget about when you have a veteran quarterback, right? That experience uh, and that situational awareness in big games, where the difference between running a bunch of clock down and giving Dallas time to play with is just taking a sack or sliding instead of throwing the ball away or running out of bounds. Aaron Rodgers was impressive yesterday. I thought Kevin King was really good yesterday. I think Kevin King has always been good. He's just got to be healthy, right? Chandon Sullivan yesterday. Chandon Sullivan was great yesterday. Will Redman was actually really good, too, which... Is great, don't get me wrong. I was expecting a little bit of something-something from Josh Jackson, which we didn't get, but players stepping up nonetheless. There were a lot of interesting storylines yesterday. Something, however, got lost. I didn't hear David Scrady talking about this this morning. I did not hear Bill Michaels hit it this afternoon. Something got lost, and it's something that that we talked about last week. right? If Remember back to Thursday, Wednesday, even Monday and Tuesday. This is something that we talked about all week long. With Devontae Adams out, who is going to be the next wide receiver to step up? Because somebody has to, right? Is it going to be Valdez Scantling? Right? Maybe Jimmy Graham kind of fills that de facto wide receiver role. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe Jake Kumaro. Who knows? We were we were asking that question all week last week. Who's going to be the number one wide receiver? Who is Aaron Rodgers going to lean on and Matt LaFleur lean on without Devontae Adams? We drove ourselves crazy last week asking ourselves that question. Because there was no Devontae Adams... I said, look, this is a huge game for Matt LaFleur. Because Aaron Rodgers, up until this week, has been able to lean on Devontae Adams, right? Well, Matt LaFleur called this play, but man, I don't really know what he's saying. I, I, the language of the play is a little confusing. Hey, Devontae, go do this. I'll hit you, right? He could have, he could fall back on that, right? Fall back on, on what he had done the previous couple of years with Mike McCarthy. Well, he didn't have that. He didn't have that safety net. He didn't have that fall back this week. And it was all about him and Matt LaFleur putting together a game plan. And that included, where's the ball going to go? you got to throw to somebody, right? Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, I said last week, this is going to be the first significant showcase game for Matt LaFleur and what he is doing with this Green Bay offense. What's different now than a year ago? What's different with Matt LaFleur than with Mike McCarthy last season or in previous seasons? We're asking, what wide receiver is going to step up? What are they going to scheme for Valdez Scantling? What are they going to scheme for, For I don't know, Jake Kumaro? Fill in the blank, right? What are they going to scheme up? How are they going to allow these wide receivers to be effective? Well, they did something that I should have seen coming, but absolutely didn't, and that was pretty much forego the wide receivers, for the most part, forego the tight ends, and focus all on the running backs. Focus all on throwing the ball to running backs out of the backfield. And I don't know why we didn't see it coming. This was supposed to be a huge part of Matt LaFleur's Offense coming in, right? I, I did a little bit of research there. I went back and looked. I found an article from Pro Football Talk, right, of NBC Sports. Michael David Smith, June 27th, so a couple of months ago. Headline, Matt LaFleur plans more passes to running backs. And the big quote is from Matt LaFleur. I love it when we can give running backs the ball in the passing game. That's one more eligible that the defense has to focus on. Right? This is a storyline in the offseason. Right? I found a, a piece on Cheesehead TV, and it was really well done. It was really... Com- uh, uh, really all-encompassing. Maggie Maggie Loney did a great job. And one of the tidbits I saw in here is what Matt LaFleur did in the past in Atlanta, obviously with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, making them receivers. Just last year with the Tennessee Titans, Deion Lewis had a career year receiving the football. 
He had 400 receiving yards and 60 catches as a running back. Right? This shouldn't have been a surprise. This was this was Matt LaFleur. This was his thing coming in, right? What's going to look different? Well, we're going to start throwing to the running backs. We kind of forgot about that. And last week, we we dwelled and focused on, man, are we... Who's going to be that number two wide receiver? Who's going to step up and, and replace Devontae Adams? And Matt LaFleur saying, man, none of these scrubs can handle. Let's throw to the running backs. Yesterday, did you see the way that the receptions broke down? Right, Aaron Rodgers completed 22 passes. Only four, only four of them went to wide receivers. Only four. Six of them went to tight ends. Jimmy Graham had an impressive catch here and there. Robert Tanyan, like I said, along the boundary, that might have been the best catch of the day. Valdez Scantling had one that he caught real high early on. That was a great catch as well. Robert Tanyan, though, certainly up there for catch of the day yesterday along the boundary. Mercedes Lewis getting involved as well. But 12 receptions by running backs yesterday. And it wasn't all Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones yesterday had seven receptions, but Trey Carson had four. He was part of things as well. It was very obvious to me yesterday that Matt LaFleur wanted to get the running backs involved in the pass game. It wasn't just, oh, Aaron Jones is hot, let's check the ball down to him. No, it was a conscious effort to get the ball to Aaron Jones in the passing game or running backs in general, and that included yesterday Trey Carson. I don't know if I've ever seen a reception breakdown like that where you have wide receivers catching four passes, tight ends with six, and running backs with 12 Certainly not with Aaron Rodgers under quarterback, but yesterday there were some interesting circumstances, right? You're without your number one wide receiver, who's by far and away better than everyone else on the roster. And and receivers had moments yesterday. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I was I, uh, talking about that Valdez Scantling catch. He only had one catch for 18 yards. He might have had a huge touchdown. Rodgers underthrew him in the second half that was called pass interference, the one that Jason Garrett ultimately challenged, right? That should have been a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers underthrew him. Valdez Scantling probably had some opportunities that were left out there yesterday. But Mercedes Lewis had two catches. Jimmy Graham had three. Wide receivers not doing much yesterday. I don't know if that's a trust thing. I don't know if if that's Valdez Scantling and, and company just not being very good. I think it was truly part of the game plan yesterday. Coming in and say, we are going to get Aaron Jones the ball in the passing game. We're going to get Trey Carson the ball in the passing game. Whatever running back is in there, that's part of Matt LaFleur's M.O., and we saw that in Tennessee, and it was talked about all summer. We just forgot about it. We just forgot about it. One receiving touchdown last year for a running back in Green Bay. One. That's it. That's it. I think Matt LaFleur might be working to change that a little bit, right? Maybe working to to, to evolve and change the offense just a little bit so that when Valdez Scaling and Rodgers aren't on the same page, and like I said, some yards and probably a touchdown left out there yesterday if, if Rodgers just makes a good throw. When Allison really isn't having that great game, great of a game, or Jake Kumaro is maybe a little bit over his head, who knows, that we have the running backs to fall back on, especially when Aaron Jones is rolling. I thought the most impressive play yesterday was when Robert Quinn was bearing down into Rodgers' grill, and right before he gets drilled, he sidearms it blindly around Robert Quinn, right to Aaron Jones, who scoops it off the turf. It was a great catch. Jukes out late in Van Der Esch and takes it for 15 yards. I thought that was the best play the offense made yesterday. And it was a throw to a running back. It wasn't a bomb down the seam to Valdez Scantlering. It wasn't a jump ball in the end zone to Jimmy Graham. It was essentially a check down pass to avoid pressure. And Aaron Jones took it and ran, literally, right? And I think that quote 
from June, earlier this summer on June 27th, it was reported by everybody. I'm just looking at Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports. Matt LaFleur said, I love it when we can give running backs the ball in the passing game. That's just one more eligible that the defense has to focus on, right? Make the defense beat you. Make them beat your best player. And yesterday, Aaron Jones was their best player. Any touches, any carries, any passes that you can get to Aaron Jones, thumbs up. He was tremendous yesterday. That was, Yesterday was the first signature game from Matt LaFleur. That was the first moment where he, I think, really put his fingerprints on the game plan and really had an impact on the way the game was ran. I'm not saying he wasn't good coach the first couple of weeks, but I think out of necessity, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur had to sit down and come up with something unique, come up with something a little bit out of the box, right? Actually create a game plan that didn't revolve around, well, we're going to have 12 plays to get Adams the ball, and then after that, we'll figure it out. The blanks will fill themselves in, right? No. LaFleur and Rodgers had to sit down this week and say, okay, well, we're without Devontae Adams. We're going at some great defense. What are we going to do? And it shouldn't have taken anyone by surprise that they threw to running backs, Trey Carson and Aaron Jones, because that's what Matt LaFleur was about coming in. That was one of his big characteristics, uh, his big things that he did at Tennessee and in Atlanta and when Todd Gurley was catching passes a couple years ago in L.A. as well. Shouldn't have surprised anyone, right? I remembered, oh, yeah. That was Matt LaFleur's thing coming into the season. We we are now five games into the season. Packers are 4-1. and one, And they have a comfortable lead in the division right now. The Bears lost yesterday. Due to mostly, in part, they have a good record in the division as well. They're 2-0. and oh, That's really the difference. I think we can start evaluating teams, right? I think we can start to look at the Cowboys and say, okay, well, they started really well, but they, they played some poor teams. And, and since then, they've played a couple good teams. You know, what are they? We have a sample size, right? They can do that with the Packers, the Cowboys, other teams in the division, like the Bears and the Vikings. I think we can actually have our first fair evaluation of the season. Let's do that. I want to hear from you. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. What do you think of the Packers right now? If the playoffs started today, how would you feel about their chances, right? Because we have a couple games under our belt now. I think we can really take an accurate picture. You can also tweet at me at Keystroker Grant. You can tweet us all at WKTY. We're talking about the Packers and, and kind of just checking in. Checkpoint of the season after we've seen a couple games at home, couple on the road, good teams, bad teams. Let's assess. Coming up next, you're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, 96.7 FM and 580 AM. My name is Grant Bills. You can always listen on our mobile app and at WKTYsports.com. Lots of ways to listen. We're going to talk Badgers. We're going to talk Twins, just a little bit. Coming up here in about uh, 15 minutes. I actually watched uh, SmackDown uh, WWE on Friday night while I was in here uh, also watching along to uh, the game that Drew and and Alex were covering out in Sparta. Uh, I did not hate it. If we had more time today, maybe we would talk about that as well. But mostly today, we're focused on the Packers. They won yesterday, moving to 4-1. and 34-24, the final score. A little bit closer uh, than it actually was. At one point, the Packers were up 31-3. to The second half was just mostly uh, wasting time while marching towards what was the inevitable along, which was a Packers win. Packers are 4-1. and Cowboys are 3-2. and And I think we have reached this season now where... We have a big enough sample size, right? We, we've reached critical mass. We have enough games. We have enough tape. We have enough statistics to kind of separate the contenders from the pretenders to be really lame and to rhyme and to use a cliche. But you know what I mean? We have enough games now. 
We're not overreacting after week one and two. We actually have a little bit of a sample size. How do you feel about the Packers? I, I don't want to ask, like, who's the best team in the NFC? Or I don't want to, if the playoffs started today, what, but like, what do you, what do you think about the Packers? Are you confident? Do you still have questions? What do you need to see? We're kind of doing a check in. 608 796 2558 is the five star telecom talking text line. You can shoot me a text, give me a call there. Twitter, uh, at Keystroker Grant. That's my account. If you don't follow me, uh, you should, so we can stay connected even when I'm not on the air. Uh, and tweet all of us at WKTY. So the Packers 4-1, and one, and, a, and a mix of opponents, right? Two really tough road games. Bears, that's about as tough of a, a road environment as you're going to get in Week 1. Uh, winning in Dallas yesterday. They've also had some easier games, right? Like the Broncos at home. And then they had some middle-of-the-road games. A divisional opponent in Minnesota, but that was at home. That, that was on the easier side. They, they have a good mix of opposition, right? One on the road, one at home. I think now we can we can kind of start to assess this team. And I think people are starting to assess all the teams around the NFL, right? Like, if, if you listened to, if you t- tuned on ESPN or you turned on whatever sports network you like to watch in the morning and you listen to a debate show, right? Or you're listening to a highlight show. The takes this today are so different than they were three, three weeks ago. And then that's understandable, right? When you got to talk sports all day, you, you have to throw out opinions. But like the Cowboys, right? Through two weeks, oh my God, were they incredible. They were incredible. People are saying Cowboys are Super Bowl favorites in the NFC. Well, since they've started to play some decent teams, they've struggled. And the offense hasn't looked as good. Dak Prescott hasn't looked as good. The, the Cowboys started 3-0. and Those three teams are 2-12 and at this point in the season. They beat the Giants, they beat Washington, and they beat the Dolphins, right? Those three teams are 2-12 and combined. But a couple weeks ago, we were going off all we had to go by, and that's the Cowboys were 3-0 and and looking really, really good. Now we have a little bit more perspective, right? Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, I think, are another fascinating example. They started red hot, and Lamar Jackson was slinging the ball everywhere, completing passes up and down the field. Man, he looks like a different quarterback. Well, beat the Dolphins in Week 1, beat the Cardinals in Week 2. They lost to Kansas City, although it was close, and then they lost to the Browns and got killed. They barely beat the Steelers yesterday, who were on their third-string quarterback. Okay, well... Maybe the Ravens weren't as good as we thought. Maybe Lamar Jackson isn't as improved as we thought. Still dynamic, still a really good runner, and I still think can be an effective quarterback and win a lot of games, but maybe not the passer we all started to think he was early on. The 49ers might be one team that the book is still out on. Right there, 3-0, they had a week four bye. They're going to play tonight on Monday Night Football. That game will be here on WKTY. Uh, They are playing Cleveland. There's a lot of interesting storylines, a lot of intrigue in that game. 49ers are 3-0. They beat Tampa Bay, they beat Cincinnati, and they beat the Steelers 24-20 with Mason Rudolph, right? Is there one win that sells you in that bunch? Maybe yes, maybe no. Still 3-0, and they play tonight. That actually might be the last team in the NFL that I think the jury is still way out on. Like, the, the book is wide open. That Niners team could be a great team, or it could be a top-10 draft pick team. Who knows? We need to see a little bit more. But I, outside of the 49ers, who already have a bye and have played nobody, we have a pretty good idea, right? Like like, like I said, we've reached critical mass. We have enough to go on now, right? Critical mass on the 20, 2019 NFL season. Where do the Packers stack up? Like I said, I don't want to ask a cliche radio question. If the playoffs started today, right? If you had to bet your house, you had to bet your car, who would you... T- I'm not going to ask a question like that. But how do you feel about the Packers? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you yesterday's win boosts my confidence in a major way. 
Because I think after that Eagles loss at home, there were some reservations, right? Well, week one, you beat the Bears 10 to 3. Maybe that, that's kind of an, that's an odd game. That, that's, I think that's an exception. Maybe throw that out. That's an outlier game. So if you discount the Bears game, which I'm not discounting, but if you don't look at the Bears game, you beat the Vikings at home, but you didn't score after you started 21 to 0. You beat the Broncos, but the Broncos suck. And you lost to the Eagles at home and you got pushed around. Yesterday they responded, right? The defense, I think, responded to being embarrassed by Philly on a nationally televised game. Right? And during Oktoberfest, nobody's discounted that, right? Do you know how many people were down to the fest grounds watching that game? I'm sure somebody on that Packers team is like, man, it's fest weekend in lacrosse. Everybody is drinking watching this right now. We made fools of ourselves, right? (laughs) But seriously, right? They responded against the Dallas Cowboys. You like a team that reacts and responds to their coach. Bucks were the same way. I don't know how many times I talked uh, last winter about when the Bucks would lose, man, would they respond in a big way in the next game, right? Coach Bud's message would respond and, and resound with them. They would come back and, and almost like they took that loss personally. There's a little bit of that in the Packers yesterday, beating the Cowboys. If you look at the, the games, and that's all we have to go off of, right? The Bears, Vikings, Broncos, Eagles, Cowboys. I see two huge road wins in there, right? The Bears, I think, most impressive of all. There might not be a tougher road environment until the playoffs than there was for the Packers on opening night. Defending NFC North champion Bears, right? One kick away from possibly a Super Bowl run, or so they all thought. I don't really believe in that. It was just one game, and it was wild card weekend. But Bears fans feeling loud, opening night, and you're able to win. You're able to beat the Vikings the next week after not scoring for the the quarters two, three, and four. It might not have been pretty, might not have been smooth like all Packers fans wanted, but impressive nonetheless, and a division win, which are, are incredibly important, as you're seeing now. Packers alone atop the NFC North. The Broncos game, I, that's one of those games where if you ask me in five years, I won't remember that game at all, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I'll be honest. But a home win against a tough defense. Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl, I don't know. You lost to the Eagles, which is a bummer on Thursday Night Football because it's so difficult for a road team to travel on Thursday, right? You just get no turnaround time. So I think all of us had a little bit of reservations with that game after that game. And then yesterday, the Packers just took it to them. Took it to them. Looked great on offense, looked great on defense at times. Amari Cooper ate Jair Alexander's lunch, and he was still able to make some plays. He's leading the NFL in passes defense, by the way. Kevin King only a couple rankings behind. Looked great yesterday. And I know it got clunky, it got ugly, and it got annoying in the third and fourth quarter just because it took so damn long. We all knew the Packers were going to win, let's be real. But the Packers, nonetheless, looked really, really, really good. In fact, you could make the argument that they're one goal line play away from 5-0. and One goal line play away from 5-0 and in that Philly game. Now, you could probably also make the argument that they're one play here or there away from losing another game, like against the Bears or against the Vikings. Football's that kind of sport, right? That's the way sports are. You drive yourself crazy, which is why I don't really believe that they're one goal line play away from being 5-0 and because they're also one goal line interception from Kirk Cousins away from maybe being 3-2. and Who knows? What do we think about the Green Bay Packers? Are we sold? Do you think they're back to being a contender? Do you think they're Super Bowl bound or do you just think, well, the wheels will fall off. Oh, well, Aaron Rodgers will, will decline something, right? 608-796-2558. We only have five games to go off so far, right? We're approaching halfway on the season, which is crazy. In a couple of weeks, we'll be halfway through the Packers season. 
only looking at these five games, I like what I see. And I feel good. Because I think that the best NFL seasons that, that lead to postseason success, they're hiccups in the road, right? You hear the phrase battle-tested or, you know, you got to handle adversity. I think the Packers at, at times have done that this year. Think of 2010. You lost back-to-back overtime games to Washington and to Miami. Barely made it in, right? That team had to prove itself. In 2014, they started off a little bit slow. Rodgers had to hit him with a, you know, R-E-L-A-X, right? Battle-tested, facing adversity. I think you can make the case that so far this year, the Packers have faced a little bit of adversity, right? They just won without Devontae Adams, for crying out loud, in Dallas, right? They were able to win opening night 10-3, to and then yesterday winning 34-24. Just looking at the final scores through their schedule, they've won a couple of different ways. Faced some injuries. I think Elton Jenkins is the, the, the storyline nobody is talking about, right? Lane Taylor gets a little bit banged up, goes on IR, and Elton Jenkins has looked tremendous. One of the best rookies in the NFL right now. And I'm, I'm not, look, he's an offensive lineman. I'm not asking him to win awards, but he's been great. I think the Packers are finding some good players. Players are hitting their stride, and, and they've faced a little bit of adversity here and there. 608 796 2558. That's the five star telecom talking text line. Uh, Scott says, I'm still cautiously pessimistic. I don't know if I've ever heard that phrase. Cautiously pessimistic. If they keep this up by midseason, I might be cautiously indifferent. Keep up the rest of the year and I might make it to cautiously optimistic. Scott, that's the best thing I've read today and I appreciate the text. Thank you very much. Cautiously pessimistic. I think that's a good way of putting it. I, I just think with a first year head coach, we need to see a little bit more, right? And I think yesterday was such a good start for, for Matt LaFleur as head coach because this is the first time him and Aaron Rodgers had to sit down and, and create a unique game plan. No Devontae Adams. Okay, what are you going to do? Well, we're going to do a lot of zone running to the outside with Aaron Jones, right, to offset some of those great linebackers and great pass rushers that Dallas has. We're not going to try to block him straight up, but we're going to get him moving horizontally, right, and let Aaron Jones go to work. He was tremendous yesterday. They also involved the running backs in the passing game. To almost an obnoxious amount, right? 12 catches for running backs yesterday compared to 6 for tight ends and 4 to wide receivers. Part of Matt LaFleur's MO involved those players in the passing game. I thought yesterday was a huge step for Matt LaFleur and I think he's going to continue to improve throughout the year. Aaron Rodgers is going to continue to get more comfortable throughout the year. It's a growing process, right? That being said, if you're growing, if you're going through growing pains and you're still able to be 4-1, and one, I think you're in a pretty good spot and I think that's probably the consensus with most Packers fans right now, except for Scott. He is cautiously pessimistic. When we come back, uh we're just going to we're just going to revel in how good the Badgers been playing, honestly. Uh they just gave it to Kent State, not surprising this weekend. Uh we're also going to talk just a little bit, little bit about the Twins because I look over the border and, and I talk to my coworkers and friends who are Twins fans and I just I see so much of what has happened to the Brewers a couple of times. I, I see so much of it in the Twins and Twins fans right now. They're playing the Yankees tonight, so we'll talk about the Twins a little bit because playoff baseball is going on. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Again Sports coming up next year on WKTY. <laughs> Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out today. We have uh, covered a lot. Talked a lot of Packers. They beat the Cowboys yesterday. 4-1 and one, uh, and sitting comfortably atop the top of the NFC North. If you want to check it out, you missed it. Sorry, you're just tuning in. Well, go to WKTYsports.com. Click on the podcast tab. Uh, I'll post the show very soon after uh, we wrap up at 6 o'clock. Monday Night Football 
the Browns and the San Francisco 49ers tonight. That game going to be on WKTY. And as I said earlier, the Niners are, are still kind of that one team where the jury is still out. Right? They're 3-0, and but everyone looks at it and like, well, are they are they actually good or they just played bad teams and they had week four bye? So we might learn something about the 49ers tonight. So tune in uh, that game Monday Night Football on WKTY uh, with Westwood One Sports. The one football game we didn't talk about today was uh, the Wisconsin Badgers just, well, doing what we all thought they were going to do to Kent State this last weekend. Uh, they won 48 to nothing, and it was it was never really close, obviously. It, the closest it was was 0-0, and then, you know, off to the races. Jonathan Taylor was tremendous again, 19 carries, 186 and four touchdowns. Aaron Jones, not to be outdone uh, by Jonathan Taylor, uh, answered with four touchdowns on Sunday as well. It was interesting. I was uh, at Played Against Sports on Saturday. They had their big hockey sale, right? 20% off everything new and used. People were coming in. It was actually pretty cool. We were broadcasting live uh, from 11 to 1. And it was actually pretty cool because I saw shirts from West Salem, from Viroqua, from on Alaska, from all over the place. Everybody and their kids are coming in and getting their hockey stuff ready for the season. So it was pretty cool. We got to talk to some people. But uh, during the downtime, which uh, for the workers that played again, there was none because it was packed. But for me, uh, they had a TV on. They were playing the Badger game. And I think I might have to watch all Badger games that played against sports this year, right? That's how that works. I, I, I think it's my responsibility uh, as a Badger fan to to keep up the good mojo and to just watch all the games that played against sports every uh, every Saturday. So I think that is the plan now. Something jumped out to me on Saturday. Wisconsin is a team that knows their identity. And I don't know if this team has ever been without an identity uh, the last couple of years. Like, this isn't a new thing, but something that's become so apparent and some so clear to me this year is that Wisconsin just knows who they are. They know what they do well. They know what they need to focus on. They know what their strength is, and they know how to play with it. And I think it becomes so obvious, so salient this season is because the team they beat a couple weeks ago, Michigan, has no clue who they are and no idea what they're doing because on Saturday, they bar- did you see that game? They barely beat Iowa, right? Barely at the big house. Spread was three and a half. I thought that was, I thought that was free money, right? And, and like Iowa didn't cover, so it's still a bet you would have won. But I thought, I thought Michigan was going to run them out of there. Are you kidding me? No, 10 to three. Michigan doesn't know their identity. Are they a power running team? Are they an option team that throws the ball over the field? Is Shea Patterson? Is he a running quarterback? Is he a pocket passer? Is, is their defense good? Is it not good? They don't know, right? And until a team figures out its identity, it's not just a cliche. It's not just a thing uh, that sports TV and radio people use. If a team doesn't know their strengths and weaknesses, you can't game plan effectively, right? You, you can't be successful if you don't know, well, should we run the ball? Should we pass the ball? Right, everything starts with your identity. Wisconsin knows who they are. Right, they replaced four starters on the offensive line. And we talked to Colton Bartholomew of the State Journal last weekend. Said, look, there were four new starters on that offensive line. And so far, they haven't missed a beat. They've been great. They're organized. They know their assignments. They know which gaps, which players they're supposed to be blocking. And they're so good when they bring in extra offensive linemen in. Right? Uh, talking to uh, Coach McGlenn, UWL's offensive line coach this morning in Mitchell Hall. Talking about, God, Wisconsin does such a good job. Right? Pulling guards, doing a li- some things that might be a little bit more complex or at least appear more complex to me and you, right? People who don't play or coach football, right? Bringing a guard or a tackle around the entire formation to, to hit a block on the other side. Wisconsin's so organized up front. They block so well. They know their assignments. They know what they're doing. And it it, it looks simple, but it's, it's not. And you got to give Wisconsin a lot of credit. Just year in and year out, they just rotate players through, rotate offensive linemen through, 
and they do such a tremendous job. And that was very clear because Jonathan Taylor was able to run for 186 and four scores on Saturday. Also on Saturday, uh, not as meaningful to me, but certainly meaningful to some of our listeners, uh, was the the Twins-Yankees game, right? They lose game one. Twins lose game one, and, and the final score was 8-2. to two. Like, it was a deflating loss. But, but, right, you're on the road. You're not supposed to win on the road, right? And, and what's everybody say? The series doesn't start until the home team loses, right? So you're thinking, all right, Twins come back in game two. They win, and then they're going back to Minnesota. You're feeling great, right? Well, they didn't win in game two. They lost 10-4 to four on Saturday uh, and, and just ruined the afternoon and the evening of some of my Twins fans, uh, friends, and coworkers, Right? I feel with Twins fans a little bit, it's just so wild to me, and it's such a reminder every October that you can have a magical regular season, right? And I think the last two years have been just about as special to Brewers fans as any season since the 80s, and they don't happen very often, right? You spend all summer with your local broadcast crew, with BA and The Rock, just appreciating this team, enjoying this team and their energy and the infectious attitude in the locker room that this is our year, right? This is the year we take down the Yankees the Dodgers, the Astros, the Cardinals, the Cubs, fill in the blank, right? This is a team, this is the year that this small market team is going to step out and finally do it. And this year felt that way for the Twins. Last year, it might have felt that way for the Brewers. It's so eye-opening to me and so jarring to me that after months, after 162 games of magic, right? Something the Twins fans don't get very often, something the Brewers fans don't get very often, that it can all come crashing down in five days, just like that. Snap of a finger. And that can happen in the NFL too, right? It's one game and you're done. But there's only 16 games in the NFL, right? You're living and dying with every throw. You're living and dying with every game. In baseball, 162 games. You feel like it's never going to end, right? That summer's never going to come to an end. And they're going to play forever. And then you get to the postseason and just like that, it's over. And I'm not, look, I'm not dismissing the Twins. I'm not bearing the Twins. But I tell you what. My friends and coworkers who follow the Twins a lot more closely, who know the Twins a lot more than I do, and have way more reason to be optimistic than I do, uh, are not feeling good about tonight. 7.40 first pitch. Now they're back at Target Field. You can argue about how important and how meaningful home field advantage is in baseball. You'd obviously rather be home. But an elimination game for the Twins tonight, and I'll tell you what, most of my Twins fans, friends, and coworkers are not feeling good about this, feeling like it's over. You'd have to win three in a row, right? guess crazier things have happened. Uh, that does it for the Wisco Sports Show podcast. Going to go up just a couple of minutes after 6 o'clock. Monday Night Football, Browns Niners on WKTY tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to talk Badgers, to talk Packers, and Bucks are right around the corner. I can't wait. Tomorrow, same time, same place. Talk to you then.